Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to another little time here in the New Southern Garden. So glad that you're able to join us for this hour. Of course, if this is your first time listening to New Southern Garden, you just happen to switch on the dial. Of course, New Southern Garden is here every Saturday on WRWH 93.9 FM at 10 o'clock. So you can catch all the uh, action here in the garden. Right there at 10 o'clock every Saturday. But if you happen to sleep in, which is understandable for Saturdays, or maybe you're out of town, no trouble. You can always listen to WRWH on the TuneIn app. You can listen to New Southern Garden and all the great programming here in your hometown radio. And if you want to join me, for hour after hour after hour of good gardening discussion. Then, of course, you can check out every episode we've ever had of New Southern Garden at NewSouthernGarden.com and on your smartphones and tablets on any of the podcasting apps. But we're also on Facebook and Instagram. And I would love if you joined us on Facebook and Instagram and tagged us or send us some pictures of your garden. Send us some things that are blooming now, and I'll tell you why. Because summertime, it's that time of year, and I know this very well from working at a plant nursery, operating Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. I know very well that summer, it gets hot. (laughs) If you are in a profession that requires you to be outdoors, you know what I'm talking about. And really, you don't have to have a profession. You just walk outside of your office, walk outside of your home, and you know it's hot. And that heat kind of drags us down. And, and it makes us not necessarily want to be out in it. But people don't necessarily come to the nurseries and shop in the summer very much. And let me tell you, it's, it's really a shame. It's really a shame if you're not going to your local plant nursery and looking at what is being offered in the summer. And the reason it's a shame is particularly because summertime produces so many blossoms that spring doesn't. And I don't mean number of blossoms. I'm talking about different types of plants. It it, it is true that some uh, particularly perennial plants and some shrubs like butterfly bush you know they'll bloom in the spring they'll bloom all through summer up until the frost captures them and uh, freezes off their little buds (laughs) but in the summer there are so many different kinds of lilies um, uh, all kinds of perennials that are blooming and of course shrubs and one particular shrub that is blooming its head off right now is all of the panicled hydrangeas. Now, we've talked about panicled hydrangeas in the past. Now, I, I use that term because, well, 
commonly that's what we call them because the shape of their blossom is sort of like a, a panicle, uh, the end of a mason's trowel, right? Sort of triangular, cone-shaped, if you will. And it does, uh, the, the panicle hydrangeas are different than the blue and pink hydrangeas, which, of course, are the big leaf hydrangeas. Uh, if you listen to this program for any amount of time, you know that I love hydrangeas. I do talk about them a lot. But I'm using this one as an example because the blue and pink ones are, you know, blooming in May and June in particular. Some of them are still blooming. Some of them are wrapping up right now. But it's these panicled hydrangeas that are super easy to grow. And they bloom in the heat of summer. As a matter of fact, I say they're super easy because you can prune them back any time of the year, uh, well, other than when they're blooming, and still achieve a great blossom set. You can chop them down to the ground if you really want to. They'll push out bunches of new growth that will bloom this year. And so with that in mind, things like panicled hydrangeas and things like crinum lily. Now, crinum lily has not been used very much uh, in the past recent couple of decades, uh, but back in the day, people used to pass that plant along and give it to all their friends because it is a beautiful lily, uh, sort of like an amaryllis blossom, but usually they come in whites and pinks. As a matter of fact, the one we carry at the nursery is called Candy Stripe, and it has a white blossom with pink stripes down each blossom, so it looks like a, a little piece of peppermint candy. Now, there are, there's another one that I've mentioned on the program not too long ago, but tuberose. Tuberose is blooming now like crazy, and uh, it's about to wrap up, but it's a very fragrant blossom. Uh, another good perennial is agastache. Agastache is a, uh, well, it's in the mint salvia family, and so it can handle the heat, has no problem. Now, it will, it, it, it has potential to bloom in the spring, uh, but Right now, it's sort of at its peak. We'll chop those flowers off, and they'll continue to blossom. And so I just want to encourage you to, yes, you've got to, you know, wear a short sleeve shirt, wear your hat, put on some sunscreen, go to your local plant nursery, and be sure that you check out all of the great summer blossoming shrubs and perennials that are out there. Oh, another one that came to mind, of course, is Rose of Sharon. Now, Rose of Sharon used to be a really popular garden plant. And if you're wandering, uh, driving through neighborhoods and through the countryside or wherever, you may notice stands of Rose of Sharon that were planted decades ago. Still going strong, still blooming their heads off, but they're blooming right now. And they will bloom through the heat and the dead of summer. Uh, Rose of Sharon, very easy to grow. It's actually in the hibiscus family. And so the hibiscus uh, family is quite diverse, quite large. Uh, hibiscus family sort of also includes things like okra as well as cotton. That's right, cotton, which of course we don't usually put in our landscapes, but they all have that hibiscus-like flower, and Rose of Sharon does not disappoint. It's not necessarily a very large flower, uh, but it is about the size of a, ooh, well, not quite a, um, oh, what do you put your tea cup on? A uh, tea plate, that's not right, saucer, not quite like a saucer, uh, much smaller than that, but definitely one to think about because the blooms just proliferate. They are just all over the branches, up and down the stem, and in, in nice masses of blossoms, not just here and there. Um, also, Rose of Sharon comes in a double flower form, and so you can find some plants. I don't have any at our nursery, but uh, you can find Rose of Sharon with double the amount of petals. Now, of course, roses are everybody's favorite uh, flower, but usually by spring when you're shopping for plants in the cooler weather, roses are there, and, and everybody knows what roses are. Of course, they're America's favorite, America's favorite 
favorite flower, but they will continue to bloom through summer. So, you know, we're going to talk just briefly uh, in a moment about tired plants, plants that are tired because it's summer, and I'm going to give you a couple of tips on how to rejuvenate those. But it's right now that you may see sort of a lull in your landscape because all the flowers you purchased maybe in spring were spring bloomers. And many of them may have stopped for the year, but you can go right now to your land, into your local garden center or plant nursery and find some summer bloomers. It is a shame from, you know, a nurseryman's perspective because there are so many good plants that need to be in landscapes. But because no one is shopping for these summer bloomers, well, let me back up. Because no one is shopping in the summer, they don't get to see how awesome these blossoms are. And so when you go into a nursery, another tip is to learn a little bit about it. Look at the plant tag. Ask the uh, nice nursery people there to describe when it blooms. Because just because something is not flowering doesn't mean it's not going to. It doesn't mean that it's not going to bring something beautiful to your landscape. And of course, timing your blossoms throughout the landscape is very important because you don't want to come into summer when you've only purchased or grown uh, spring blooming flowers and come into summer with nothing to show. When people come around for a barbecue or a pool party, you want to make sure you have some flowers, some blossoms. And yes, you can achieve that with annuals like petunias and begonias, angelonia, etc., etc., but you can also do it with perennials and shrubs. They're less care, less maintenance, and they're going to be in your landscape for years. So in summary, don't let summer and the heat keep you away from the garden centers. Now, there is something to say about planting in the summer, like right now. You know, uh, potted plants, technically, from the research that comes out of our wonderful universities here in the South, they are finding that containerized plants, which are plants that are grown in containers that you normally purchase at garden centers, that they can be planted any time of the year because you have 100% of the root system as compared to plants that were dug out of the ground and transplanted. When you dig something out of the ground and move it somewhere, you're only maintaining about 10 to 15% of that root system. And so by damaging the roots that drastically in the summer, you're going to find that those plants are less likely to survive. They're less likely to do well. And so, yes, with a container plant, you're getting 100% of the root system. You're not damaging it. It's as if it was in the container to begin with, except now that it's planted in the ground, it's going to be able to access more water. Because, of course, even though it will be dry, in a container, plants have to be watered nearly daily, if not for sure daily, sometimes twice a day. Trust me, I know this very well, because all of our plants we sell are in containers. So it does take less water to plant them in the summer, let their roots grow, because, folks, plants in the summer are growing the most they ever will. Well, spring through summer, the growing season, they are growing the most they ever will. Not only are they growing leaves and stems, but they're also growing growing roots. Now, it is true that in winter, plants will continue to grow their root system, uh, but the tops aren't growing. So they're not, you know, heavily producing new portions of their plants. But in the summer, as long as you can keep them moist, making sure their root balls don't dry out, you will be enticing them to grow faster underground than if you planted them in the fall. 
Now, you'll know in previous shows that I've mentioned over winter especially that that is a great time to plant, and it absolutely is. Summer can be stressful. There's no doubt about that. But if you, you know, right now we're getting plenty of of rain, plenty of water. But if you find that in the summer when you're planting that we do go through a drought, we do go through some dry spells, as long as you can reach a hose to it or take some water through a watering can or a bucket to that plant, then there's no problem with going to the nursery, buying a few plants, things. Don't go crazy because that means it's more you'd have to water in the uh, drought times. But you can add some of these beautiful summer blooming shrubs, uh, perennials. You can add them to your landscape to make sure that you have color for a long time uh, until the frost comes. So again, I'm just encouraging you to not forget to go into your local nurseries and garden centers because there's going to be a different kind of flower there. There's going to be a different kind of plant, one that you may have overlooked in the summer because it was just leaves. Uh, Sorry, one that you overlooked in the spring because it was just leaves. But by summer, those special and particular plants just are outstanding when they're in full bloom. Now, with that being said, summer does tire us. It does tire plants. Tires the gardener and the garden alike. So you may be looking at the flowers and plants that were beautiful in the spring, and maybe there are some yellow leaves, right? Maybe some of the vines on them or some of the branches on them are kind of leggy. Or maybe they've already gone out of flower, and now you have these dry sort of seed pods and shriveled up leaves here and there. These are signs of summer. It's just what happens. It's a it's the cycle of life. It's the cycle of the garden. And there's, of course, um, uh, plenty of heat to wear them down. Sometimes, not necessarily this year, but sometimes there's lack of water that wears them down and just the way they grow. Remember, a plant in the spring starts out by producing leaves. Usually, some plants do flower first. But most plants are going to produce their leaves, grow a little bit, and then flower. And remember, gang, that flowering is the reproductive process of the plant. After all, it's what it has to do in order to guarantee that it's going to live and endure for years after years and hopefully decades after decades. And so that flowering process requires a lot of energy. Uh, Plants that are in flower are going through that reproductive cycle and they are sending all the excess and extra resources they can to their blossoms. So that takes a lot of energy and it drains them. But after we get back from this quick break, I'm going to give you some tips on taking those shabby looking plants, those sun-tired, summer-tired plants, getting them back in shape so that you can enjoy them and those people who are visiting you in the summer having good summer times can enjoy them as well we'll be right back Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who 
are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Well, gang, I will tell you something for sure. I have been sweating a lot this week. Not because I'm nervous. I don't have a big test or exam coming up. I'm not in school. But it's because it's summertime. And if anybody knows well how rough the summer sun and humidity can be here in the south, it is me. And I know you can agree because as a gardener, you're out there doing the same things. Of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. We have to be outside, rain or shine, summer or cool. We will be outside, that is for sure. Uh, Probably in a few months, when we're in the wintertime, I will be complaining about how cold and wet it is. But now, I'm complaining about how hot and humid it is, and it wears me down. It makes me get tired quickly, and of course, it makes me want to go home and just take a cold shower (laughs) and chill out inside in the air conditioning. But plants do the same thing. Plants, of course, plants, I mean, plants don't go home and chill out in the air conditioning by any means. But they, too, can be beaten down to some degree. Of course, the sun is what gives them energy. The sun is what helps them to package and make, manufacture their own food within their leaves and stems. So, of course, plants need the sun. Now, we know there are plants that need shade, but they still need those ultraviolet rays that trickle through the leaves, uh, through tall trees, and give them just a light dusting of sun. Some plants, though, they prefer the full sun. Give them all day, and they love it. They bloom well and bloom heavily. But what happens after these processes uh, from growing new leaves and new stems and blooming? What is happening to the plant? Because you may be noticing, as we mentioned before the break, that some of your plants look tired. Do they not? Are there not plenty of plants in the landscape that maybe are turning brown in some areas, definitely turning yellow, sort of leaves shriveling back? Maybe even some of the stems are getting lanky floppy and falling over. Well, these are just signals that uh, the plant has expended a lot of energy, has used a lot of its resources to flower. And it really is a big thing in the perennial world. In the perennial world, there are so many plants that just bloom heavily in the spring, then they start looking tired when summer comes on. Some of it is due to that sun and that heat and maybe lack of water, not necessarily this year, but some of it is just that cycle of life we've been talking about. So we want to get these plants back in shape and we want to make sure that we give them some more nutrition, some more food uh, so that they can perform well for the rest of the year. Because the plant, even though it may have flowered, some perennials, like I said, they flower once and they're done. And as a matter of fact, after they flower, they may disappear underground. A lot of the bulbs disappear. Now, daffodils is one example. They don't necessarily disappear quickly, For a long time, they'll leave their uh, leaves above the ground because after they bloom, they have to recharge, if you will. They'll have to recharge, and they it's important on plants like daffodils and other bulbs, uh, alliums, 
that have bloomed in the spring, that you leave those leaves as long as you possibly can. I know they start to look yellow, they start to look ratty. But the best thing you can do for a plant like that is to allow the leaf to naturally turn brown and crispy. Because every ounce of nutrition inside those leaves can be translocated. Translocated is a fancy word for moving something from one place to another place. And those nutritions, uh, or the nutrition that's in the leaves, will be located to, relocated to the, the, the roots or the bulb in the case of the daffodil. So the worst thing you can do to a daffodil is remove those fresh green leaves. It's best, like I said, to allow the leaf to completely turn yellow, completely turn brown, particularly crispy if you can, and let all that nutrition go down back into the root system or back into the bulb. So that's sort of a unique group of plants, particularly those early blooming bulbs. Uh, We want to leave those leaves as long as we possibly can then they're done for the rest of the year, right? They'll return, they'll surprise you uh, late winter and early spring next year. But then what about some other perennials? So salvia is one example. Uh, Salvia is a beautiful, is quite fragrant because it is in the mint family, even though it doesn't behave like mint. Well, some might behave like mint, but not all of them. Uh, Some of them will creep and crawl, but others just make a nice bunch, uh, maybe 18 or 24 inches wide. But they do send up these tall spikes. They can be in reds. They can be in purples. They can be, yes, I've seen whites. They can be in pinks. They can be in a variety of colors. And they look great when they first come out in the spring. But those Uh, seed pods that are left behind after they flower they may start to turn brown leaves underneath the plant may start to turn yellow and turn brown and again this is just signs these are just signs that the plant has done its job of uh, using energy to produce a beautiful blossoming show and they're starting to um, uh, translocate those those energies uh, into that flower as it was blooming So what's left behind are crispy leaves. What's left behind are brown or yellow leaves. It may think the plant is dying, but it's not. If you have a plant like salvia, some other uh, perennials, we mentioned agastache, that are getting kind of leggy. Um, How about speedwell is another great perennial that's easy uh, to grow. But this time of year is a great time to trim them back. You can definitely and always trim back any uh, flower heads that have already been spent. So flower heads that have turned brown, always trim it back. Of course, we call that dead heading because you are removing the heads that are dead, right? That's a great horticultural term. We try to, I guess, make it easy in this business. But you trim that back because you don't necessarily want your plant to go to seed. Like I mentioned, producing flowers, that whole reproductive cycle takes a lot of energy. And your plant is going to put most of its energy into flowering and then definitely into producing seed because it needs or it thinks it needs to reproduce, but you may not want it to. And so you can save energy within your plant, uh, save those resources by trimming that off and allowing the energy to go back into making more flowers because any of those brown dead heads that are there, when you remove them, It will signal to the plant that it needs to reproduce again, and it will try to produce more blossoms. Now, when it comes to deadheading and cutting plants back because the stems are looking tired and brown and yellow, you do sort of have to know a little bit about your plant. 
for instance, some plants, um, Amsonia. Amsonia is a blue star. Uh, uh, blue star is a beautiful native, actually, perennial. It makes a big clump, and it blooms these uh, star-like flowers that are blue. And that happens in the spring. And what's left behind are some nice feathery green foliage. Now, it's not going to bloom again. That Amsonia, once it blooms in the spring, it's done for the year. But not completely, because Amsonia's leaves and foliage in the fall time turn to a brilliant yellow. One of the purest yellows you could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, these, these stems with the fine feathery-like foliage, when those leaves turn yellow, it looks like a golden feather in your landscape. And they make a great clump. You can divide those clumps and share those clumps with friends. Wonderful perennial. Again, it's native to our area, uh, at least most of the species you'll find in the landscape, and it does well in the south. But it's one of those that if you chop it down, it's not going to bloom again, and you may actually decrease the size of the plant if it tries to come back. So we do have to know a little bit specifics about your individual perennials. But one of the first things you can do with these tired, uh, lackluster plants is trim them back. Some, like the salvias we mentioned, uh, lantana and uh, verbenas, you can trim them back to the ground if you feel so inclined, and they should resurge and even bloom again maybe several times over the next few weeks. So this first step into making your tired plants look better uh, over the next few summer months is to trim back. And of course, we're going to include deadheading along with trimming. Like I said, you can chop some of these babies to the ground, start them over, give them a rejuvenation. That way, force them to put out new green foliage rather than those spent, dried up yellow foliage. And of course, deadheading just encourages more blooms. So, We've got some more tips to talk about on trying to make these summer tired plants look good. And uh, the first step, though, get those pruning shears out. Give them a trim. That's one of the first places you can start. When we get back, more on making your summer tired plants look really good again. for the world to behold. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. You know, gang, this is summer. I can feel it in my bones, and I can feel those sweat droplets all over because this is the hot season. And there's one thing that I sort of have a, a, a bitter, sweet relationship with, and that's cutting grass. And, and I just bring it up briefly here because I know that this weekend I'm going to be cutting a lot of grass. It's been wet. We had vacation Bible school last week, and I wasn't able to cut any grass. So it's been about two weeks almost maybe it has been two weeks that I've not cut grass and it's getting tall it's beginning to look like nobody lives at our house 
I, I guess I have a, a bittersweet relationship with cutting grass because, you know, I don't like turf grass. I make that clear on this program. I mean, I like limited turf grass. Turf grass is the baby that never grows up. You've always got to weed. You've always got to feed. You've always got to mow it. You've always got to weed eat it. You've always got to treat it and all this stuff. Well, I do very little of that. I just mow it. And if it's green, it stays. <laughs> But lawns are those children that never grow up. They've always got to have something done to them. But the thing I do like, the sweet part <laughs> about cutting grass, is it brings out that kid in me. You know, when you're a kid, you're playing with Tonka trucks and tractors, and you're making the sound, vroom, 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 you know, motor sounds. But then, when you grow up, and you can drive things like a mower, you pull the crank or you turn the key on, vroom, 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 and it's the real thing. And I'm out there just making turns and twists, just like I was a kid, except now I've just got bigger toys. I think that's what they say about boys, right? They grow up, but they just get bigger toys. <laughs> oh, but summertime brings on a lot of things. And today, if you're just joining us on New Southern Garden, we're talking about those tired plants in your landscape. Yes, I'm talking about the ones that did a great job blooming in spring and they look beautiful. And maybe they are trying to bloom again, but they still have brown leaves. They still have yellow leaves. They have sort of dying back stems. Some of this, folks, is completely natural. I would say, first of all, make sure that your plant's not diseased. Make sure there's no spots. Make sure there's no sign of fuzzy growth on the leaf or insects. But if you have a generally healthy plant, it may just be going through its post-reproductive post -reproductive cycle because it does take a lot of energy for plants to bloom. And so it is a uh, logical thought that a plant that is uh, expended, used a lot of energy to do this blossoming thing, it's going to look a little rough around the edges after it does this heavy uh, nutrition demanding process. And so the very first step into making your plants look good again is, first of all, knowing what you have and if you can trim it back or not. But trimming is that first thing. Giving your plants a trim, maybe cutting back beneath or below any of those brown, uh, yellow leaves, will stimulate the plant to put out new, fresh growth. Now, again, I want to stress this. When it comes to trimming, you've got to be careful because some plants do not respond very well to extreme trimming in the summer. And I know this from experience. Uh, one thing, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'll just tell on myself. One of the things that we do in the nursery is uh, sort of rejuvenation pruning. But rejuvenation pruning is best done in the spring because in the spring you'll have this flush of growth that's going to be forced out of the plant and it's going to look like this, if, if, even if it was an older plant, cutting it back very hard will force that new growth. It'll look like it was young again, sort of like the uh, fountain of youth for plants, pruning in the spring. Oh, I like that. Pruning in the spring is like the fountain of youth for plants. <laughs> but I did some rejuvenation pruning on loripedlums and abelia about this time of year, several years ago. And I trimmed them very low, and had it been spring, they would have shot out and looked new and fresh. But in the summer... Pruning on a lot of shrub is restrictive because in the summer you get very small rebound in growth, just short inches rather than several, several, many inches. And many of these plants didn't make it. Yes, that was at the nursery. I made a mistake, made a mistake. And so you do have to be careful, and I learned my lesson. You do have to be careful what you're trimming and how far you're going to push it. 
But doing some trimming, definitely deadheading is going to be key. Now, the next step that you want to take is keep this in mind. The plant has used a lot of energy. It has sent up a lot of nutrition to do that flowering thing that it did a few weeks ago. And in addition to that, if you're pruning your plants at the same time that they've just finished flowering, then you've also removed potential nutrition sources, leaves and stems. You've removed those from the plant. Once you've trimmed something off a plant, that nutrition that was in that leaves cannot go back into the plant. It's gone. It'll become compost. Whether you sprinkle it beside the plant or throw it on your compost pile, it'll have to be reused in a different way. But you have removed a lot of nutrition by trimming. And so the next step is this, fertilizing, giving your plants what they need to reproduce leaves, reproduce stems, and hopefully the goal is to reproduce flowers. If you do some heavy pruning on many of your plants, many of your perennials, it would be a good idea to find something well-balanced. At the nursery, we have a fertilizer that is a 1268. Now remember, those three letters represent nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. That first number, nitrogen, it gives the plant a push for green leaves. Anything green, it takes a lot of nitrogen to build that. Now phosphorus tends to help feed the root system and somewhat flowers, producing flowers. But the potassium does the same. It definitely it gives the plant overall general health, but it also encourages flower set uh, and blossoming. And so if you do some heavy trimming on your perennials and, and other things this time of year, I would give them something well-balanced because they will need plenty of nitrogen. They'll need plenty of nitrogen to uh, put out new, new leaves, new foliage. But then again, they'll need plenty of phosphorus and potassium to stimulate that uh, reproductive cycle, to give you some more flowers, to give you some, some more petals. Now, if you have a plant that you didn't do much trimming to, most likely there's not a need for heavy nitrogen, but we want it to bloom again, right? We want it to bloom again. And so definitely finding a fertilizer that has lower nitrogen but higher phosphorus and potassium is going to assist with that. One way I like to think about it is in the spring, it's a good time to apply plenty of nitrogen. Well, first of all, nitrogen is usually lacking in our Georgia soils. Well, most soils. Because soil doesn't really have the capability or, or, or the capacity to hold on to nitrogen for very long. If the plant doesn't use what is there, it will just wash away and go somewhere else. But phosphorus and potassium can hang around. And so in the spring, when you're, think about, think about it this way, in the spring when your plants are just flushing out, those leaf buds are just unfurling, they'll need plenty of nitrogen to uh, push that foliage growth, that green growth. So in the spring, it's always a good idea to use heavier nitrogen uh, fertilizers and definitely some phosphorus and potassium. But as we go into summer, you can sort of shift that. Use lower nitrogen, but definitely add the phosphorus and potassium to that. One thing you need to be aware of is how much phosphorus and potassium is in your soil. Uh, and you can do that by taking a soil sample to your local county extension agent or office. And there, they will send that off here in the state of Georgia to UGA. Uh, in other states, of course, it goes to the land-grant college most of the time. And there, they have soil testing labs. And within the soil testing labs, they're going to give you a report within two or three days via email 
This whole testing process is only about $8, so you don't have much to lose to learn a little bit more about your soil. Because if you find out from these tests that you have plenty of phosphorus and potassium, folks, there's no need to keep adding it. Because adding extra phosphorus and potassium to the soil uh, will just be a waste. Uh, Nutrition with plants is a lot like humans and vitamins. We can take vitamin C, we can take... E and A and B or whatever they are. I'm not a human biologist by any means, but I do know that if your body does not need them, then it will just expel them. It will just get rid of them. And so the soil sort of does that. It holds on to the nutrition for a certain amount of time. If the plants use it, that's great. If the plant doesn't need it and it's just hanging around, then the soil, it'll just wash away. It'll wash down to the the next area of planting. It'll wash to the lawn. It'll move to your neighbor. So making sure that you don't add too much is a good idea. But remember, you are going to feed your plant at least what they need, maybe a little bit more, just to maximize their growth. All right, so just like raising children, you've got to feed them. You've got to give them the nutrition they need. Your plants need the nutrition uh, that you supply, whether it's through organic fertilizers or non-organic fertilizers, however you choose in your own heart of hearts to feed them. Uh, They don't really care. Remember, the plants don't really care if it's organic or not. They're going to use the nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium that is available to them no matter the source. Well, just like the children need to eat, your plants need to eat. And that is the second step in making sure that we uh, turn these summer tired plants, as I call them, into something vigorous again. All right. Now, a third step, which is not necessary. This is not necessary by any means, but it might be helpful. I believe a few weeks ago on the program, we talked about hormones talked about a particular hormone that stimulates a plant to produce flowers and produce buds. And that hormone is called, uh, well, scientifically, cytokinin. Cytokinin. Now, cytokinin is naturally produced within the plant, all right? You know, you go to the doctor, they check levels on your body and your blood, everything. Well, humans have hormones that tell the body to do certain things. Well, plants have the same similar processes. They have hormones, we call plant hormones, that the plant naturally produces, and that natural production is is sent into the stems where the buds will be to tell those buds it's time to flower, it's time to bloom. But you can, just like the doctor gives hormonal supplements to patients who might need them for whatever reason, well, guess what? you can give your plants hormonal supplements. Now, I don't want to scare you. No, it sounds kind of unnatural. But as a matter of fact, these are already being produced within the plant. But if you supply them with a few extra uh, hormones, then that will signal them to bloom. I will say this. Let me put it this way. Hormones are used in a lot of areas of horticulture, plant hormones. Um, One thing is bananas, right? So bananas naturally excrete a hormone called ethylene. And as a matter of fact, uh, ethylene is a hormone that is produced by all plants. The leaves produce it and the fruits produce it. It, It's a hormone that tells the fruit to ripen. Well, when humans figured this out, we began picking bananas early while they're green and then treating them with ethylene, which is a naturally occurring substance. Now, they may use a manufactured version of ethylene. There's ethafon. I know that. And so they treat those bananas to ripen when they need to so they'll be ready for the shelf. 
Now, that may be a little strange because, of course, we're going to eat those bananas, but you're not going to eat your salvia. You're not going to eat your lantana, and many of these plants don't need help with that, but you could. Just a little trick uh, would be to use a product like Bonide's, uh, I believe it's Bud and Blossom Set. It's a spray. You spray it on the leaves, spray it on the stems, and that will give that hormone to those leaves, to those stems, it will give them a signal. It will signal to them that it's time to bloom again. And so even though it's not a necessary step, most of our summer blooming perennials and and shrubs, they're going to do what they do naturally. But it's something you can try to just see if you can force more blooms, a heavier set, or maybe a sooner set. And if you time it right, you might get your blossoms to bloom for that birthday party in the backyard or uh, uh, for that get-together you're going to have coming up soon. I don't know, okay? But that third step you could do to make that tired plant look better again and bloom sooner is to supply it with cytokinin hormone that you can easily find. I've got some at Lanier Nursery and Gardens available to you through the Bonide Company. You can find it in probably any garden center. Uh, So we can trick our plants, but we don't want to trick them too much because they're nice to us if we're nice to them. All right, gang, hang on tight. We've got more coming up after this break. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, if you're just joining us, uh, I hate to say it, but we've just got one segment left, (laughs) and you've missed a whole bunch of good gardening advice, especially about making those summer tired plants look better again. But you don't have to cry if you've missed any of today's program, because in a few short hours, uh, this this show will be uploaded to the cloud. It will be available online at NewSouthernGarden.com, where you can actually find every episode of New Southern Garden uh, at and you can listen to them one after the other until you get tired of my voice. I hope you don't get tired of my voice. But uh, we do have every show there. And the other thing, while you visit NewSouthernGarden.com, is also check out the Contact Us page because this is the last call, if we'll say, last call for questions this month. Of course, all month you've been sending us questions that we're going to answer uh, on the air here Next week, we do that at the end of the month, the last Saturday of the month, and June, it's June, whew, July, July is almost over. We're almost gone, gone bye-bye with summer. We're getting there. We're getting through summer. We got August, the dog days. But of course, next week, we will have our Q&A session or uh, show, and so if you want to uh, send us a question, you can do that at NewSouthernGarden.com. You can also do it at the New Southern Garden Facebook page. 
and Instagram page. If you need to post a picture or, or show me what's going on in your landscape, if you've got a problem, you need help identifying something, uh, you can send it through Facebook and Instagram and we'll be glad to take a look. So we have been talking today about trying to make our summer tired plants look better. And really, you know, the, the folks in the nurseries, we've got to learn how to do that. We've got to know. And so I thought that I'd share with you some of the things we do to our plants to rejuvenate them, to make them look better. Because sometimes they get lanky, they get spindly. The older leaves turn brown, they turn yellow, they start falling off. And so you've got just a few leaves hanging off the edges of the plant, nothing in the middle. Well, in many cases, you can do two things. And I threw in a third one there. The very first thing is to trim. Trim back, cut things back. Uh, Some plants, though, I'm going to say it again, some plants don't respond so well. Well to heavy pruning or trimming uh, in this time of year, so you've got to be a little careful, but generally most perennials and many shrubs can handle some light trimming, that's for sure. Now, the, the other thing is deadheading, right? When we talk about trimming, everything can be deadheaded because, again, if you allow your plant to produce a flower, uh, it, it uses a good bit of energy, but then it takes even more energy to produce a seed. And unless you want to save seed from any of your plant, then there's really no reason to allow them to produce seed. That will, one, help to prevent future plants uh, popping up all over the place. And number two, that will help to reserve some nutrition and energy storage in the root system and the stems, helping your plant make it through the rest of this hot summer. It's not very dry. It has been quite wet. It's very humid, though, uh, but it's definitely very hot. Now, the second thing we talked about was feeding them well, making sure you feed your plants well. That is going to be number one top priority all summer long uh, this time of year again after they bloomed if you're trimming and fertilizing fertilizing is going to help them rebound and hopefully even not just look better but bloom even longer because again you've got to supply that plant with those nutritions that they've already used up so trimming fertilizing and you know i did throw in that third one that last one That last thing called cytokinin, terrible name, I know, but it is the hormone that tells a plant to produce, to produce flower buds and flowers. It will help to set your blossoms, help you get more flowers on your plant. Uh, It's kind of fun to do. You're sort of just, you're just spraying, applying this hormone to the leaves. But then of course it signals the plant to produce more blossoms and more buds. Not necessary by any means, but it might be something, you know, on some of those beautiful flowers you have that you want to see bloom again, it might help encourage. Now, it's not going to help those plants that only have a short period of bloom, like daffodils we mentioned early on. They're going to bloom in the spring, and that's it. They're not going to come back till next year. They're programmed with the seasons. It's amazing how they do their thing. Uh, But you can try it on many of these other shrubs or trees if they just, uh, well, shrubs, trees, and perennials, if they just don't seem to be setting a lot of buds. Also, you can use that on your annual plants like tomatoes and peppers, uh, trying to get them to produce as many buds as possible so you can have as many peppers and tomatoes as possible. All right, well, I hope that those tips are going to help you make your uh, summer-tired plants look better. But before we head out, I do want to mention... Um, reading the garden. 
I want to talk about reading some things maybe over the next week that are going to encourage you, uplift you, and just entertain you. Because a lot of times we're out in the garden, we're sweating in the garden, but what about reading the garden? I've got a few things I want to mention. Of course, we have been trying here, of course, New Southern Garden, trying to uh, get some written word out there on our website with some blogs. Of course, it, it, it takes a lot of uh, determination, a lot of persistence for me that I'm not necessarily always, uh, I don't know, sometimes just want to take a break. But I do have some help, and a co-worker of mine, uh, Amelia Keener, has been helping write some blogs. So we do have some up there about houseplants and pollinator gardens. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Of course, we have episodes and shows we've talked about at NewSouthernGarden.com, but at the website, you can find some written word that maybe you can in, uh, uh, learn more, but also encourage uh, and, in, and definitely Definitely expand your gardening horizons. There's a little publication that you can find. I think it comes out four times a year. I've just signed up for it. Now, I've known about it for a while from some gardening friends. It's called Green Prince, the Weeders Digest. The Weeders Digest. It's a great name. Uh, little publication. You get several stories in here. And I say stories because a Green Prince is not necessarily like a how-to it's not necessarily like a gardening magazine. It's all written word. There's some cartoons and illustrations in here. Sort of uh, gives you a little chuckle. But regardless, Green Prints is something you can subscribe to. I have no affiliation with them. Maybe we can get the uh, editor on the show sometime to talk about it. But it's great because here's, here's how he describes the publication. Um, let's see, do, 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 garden to talk people. There's humor, tenderness, wisdom, beauty, heart, information, honesty, and wonderful, such wonderful writing and art. And I think you'll like it. I've, I've been reading through it. Great stories. Uh, there was one in the edition that I was sent here, and it was called The Joy of Non-Gardening. What happens when a born gardener and a born non-gardener meet? So, it, it is, again, it's not a how-to. You know, that's what we try to do here. Of course, we hope to inspire. But it, this, this, this uh, Green Prince, the Weeders Digest, is definitely something that will inspire you and encourage you. Uh, and whether it's talking about a plant, it's always a story. It's always a story form. It's not dry. It's not boring. It's not like a, a white paper from a university or something like that. No, this is a great publication with some humorous, sometimes tearful stories, but regardless, a great a great publication. That's called Green Prints. You can check them out online. I think I would just Google because I didn't find the website. But the other thing that I would encourage you, um, it's, it's definitely gardening, uh, but not always, is georgiabread56.com. He's a lo local author, and he actually grows a lot of the plants, a lot of the big trees that we bring into the nursery. His name's Paul Chapel, and I stayed up late just this week when I first found out that he was writing a blog. I mean, definitely heartfelt stories. Many of them deal, I, I read one about kudzu and how it's a terrible beast and some stories uh, that has gone on in his life with kudzu, and and it's not just about plants, but just know that georgiabread56.com has wonderful stories that are written by a nursery grower. And he lives just down the street, about two and a half hours away from here in middle Georgia, not too far from Callaway Gardens. So again, check out our blogs at NewSouthernGarden.com. Check out Green Prints, which is a printed publication they send to you, and georgiabread56.com, which is a local gardener nurseryman who's telling stories that really made me laugh and made me cry. Well, gang, for New Southern Garden, this is Nathan Wilson, hoping that you stay well and grow well. Until next week, we'll see you.
Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.